Welcome to the Sugar Switch Podcast, featuring Kathy Orman, health coach and author of The Sugar Switch. This is the number one short, sweet, and to-the-point podcast all about sugar and your health. You'll discover how to kick the sugar, eliminate cravings for good, completely reverse pre-diabetes, increase your energy, and lose weight, look good, and feel great. As well, you'll be empowered to reduce your risk for serious health issues. And now, here's your host, Kathy Orman. Hello and welcome. This is the third and final part of the series, Oh No, Am I Really Addicted to Sugar? Today we're going to get into a few other aspects of recovery from sugar addiction, such as physical exercise and the mindset issue around whether or not giving up sugar is self-care or deprivation. The conversation of addiction is an important conversation to have, and there are many forms of addiction. They all have commonalities. At the sugar switch, naturally we're focused on sugar because it's such a sweet poison that seems like it can't possibly be a real health villain, even though it's scientifically proven to be linked to serious health issues. And I know from personal experience that it's really difficult to recognize that you could be addicted to something so sweet and at the same time believe that it is damaging to your health. It's literally a socially acceptable, slow-acting poison. In part one of this series, we explore what sugar addiction is, the latest findings of brain scientists, and why sugar is so addictive for you. Yes, sugar addiction is real. And we also go into detail about one element of sugar, fructose, which delivers a negative double whammy to your body. And believe me, it's not easy to recognize that fructose is a health villain. In part two of this series, we dive deeper into information about fructose, including its effects on your body. And we throw back the curtain to reveal the reason, which is related to sugar addiction, why so many people that lose huge amounts of weight put it all back on again plus more over a short period of time. We outline the various stages that sugar addicts go through which can help you recognize whether or not you are addicted to sugar. And finally, we talk about the two main ways to stop sugar addiction and the outcomes. If you haven't listened to the first two parts of this series, I encourage you to grab a pen and paper and write down the episode numbers so you can go back can listen to them. They are TSSP 113 and TSSP 114. Oh no, am I really addicted to sugar? Part 1 and Part 2, respectively. Let's get going on today's episode. My guest once again is Michael Collins. Michael believes sugar addiction is very real and not to be taken lightly. As a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder for over 35 years, he took a very keen interest in what sugar was doing to him and his friends in early recovery. After much research and experimentation, he quit sugar with the help of amazing mentors. He then raised two children sugar-free from the womb to six years old, and as they grew, he rewrote the rules for sugar and kids in childhood. He takes very seriously his stewardship of SugarAddiction.com and aims to provide information and community for anyone wanting to curb or quit sugar. Mike is the founder of both SugarAddiction.com and QuitSugarSummit.com. His book, The Last Resort Sugar Detox, has been read by hundreds of thousands of people and his online 30-day challenge, Sugar Freedom Challenge, has been successfully completed by thousands. 
Welcome back once again to the Sugar Switch Podcast, Michael. It's great to have you on the program. I've been super excited about this series regarding sugar addiction, which draws to a close today. Our first two conversations are chock full of great information, and I know today's conversation will have even more great information. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor. I've been following your work, and I'm excited to share and have a nice long conversation with you. So in my coaching with the sugar switch, we focus very much on switching out of sugar and empty refined foods by switching in nutrient dense foods, plus adding some basic healthy lifestyle elements like physical movement or exercise. In your experience, when people are coming off of addiction to sugar, is exercise helpful for them? Is it a helpful tool? Absolutely. But it's not what they think it is, right? Remember the biggest loser study. People are coming Usually, they think they want to lose some weight. The people that aren't sick yet, they want to lose some weight. And and everybody knows if you get off the white stuff, you lose some weight. But, and that, you know, it, it does burn, quote unquote, calories, but all calories are not created equal, right? And especially these ones that affect the dopamine, the serotonin, the brain reward chemicals. And so the exercise in our world, in my world, is for that exact process. It's to rehab your brain reward chemicals. And that's, you can't be, this is important. You cannot be rehabbing them when you're pounding them with sugar, when you get done with your exercise, because it doesn't work. I mean, you get a little bit of a boost from your exercise still, and then you go have sugar that night because you feel like, oh, I can have sugar because I exercise today. That doesn't work because now you're getting like that roller coaster of your reward chemicals, you're helping fix them and, and heal them and, and make them the strongest as they can be. And, and you're getting a little dopamine squirt when you're exercising, but then you go and pound it again with some sugar that night. So when you go cold turkey and when you start a good exercise or just continue when you have, but a, a good exercise program, and like you said, nutrient dense, real food Now you're giving the dopamine, serotonin stuff good fuel to rebuild. And then the exercise just accelerates that. Now you can do this without exercise. One of the things I I always like to mention is that I've worked with a bunch of people that they couldn't even do. They could hardly walk to the car and they did well. They lost hundreds of pounds before they started their exercise program. And it went better after they started and faster. But they didn't need to do the exercise. The body will find its own level if it's not ingesting this product. Yeah, exercise is very important, but for a different reason, not to burn calories, but to help rehab the body and the brain. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you mentioned there at the beginning when you answered the question that people think, oh, I can go and have this piece of cake or this junk food or whatever it is because I exercise today. It's like they see exercise as their excuse. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. That's how they look at it. It's kind of like a double whammy to them though for them. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about mindset and how it can influence giving up sugar. So totally giving up sugar can feel like deprivation and punishment, or Mm. it can be viewed as one of the best forms of self-care. Yeah. I have an entire quad, you know, like one fourth of the entire lessons that we give is about self care, and the other half, the other quarter, the you know, literal full half is about the societal kind of part of that equation, right? And it's broken down into two things. One 
you talked about the deprivation people feel because society has enculturated this over 300 years that everybody's doing it kind of thing. And you want to don't want to be left out of parties. Every party, every celebration from birth to death includes, and every holiday includes uh, its own specific treats of sugar. And you just feel so left out. It is annoying because we are social animals. We want to be part of the tribe. And so you get, you feel like you're left out of it. And you have to literally join a new tribe where this kind of advanced science or advanced knowledge of this toxin is a bunch of people that are changing their lives, right? And so that included and added to self-care, meaning that you're not really, quote unquote, treating yourself. I always kind of hate that it's been cemented or analogized to treat, like a treat would be a massage would be a treat or getting your toenails done would be a treat. Something different would be a treat that's not food, especially for children, Kathy, especially for the kids. You're training them that it's a treat to have this. It's a special time. It's good. You've been good. So you you use it to train behavior, right? Uh, It's just something that has to be reconfigured in society and in your life that two things. One, you have to think of different emotional management techniques of self-care to handle your worries and frustrations that are not revolving around sugar and food. And then the societal part of being included, included with the family and the friends and the workmates and the schoolmates, you know, when they're all ingesting this product, you just, it's lonely feeling. And people can't even fathom it at the beginning that they would never have sugar again. I mean, when I tell them I've never ingested sugar in 30 years, they cannot, they can't, it just doesn't compute in their brain, you know, because society just isn't like that today. But think about it. You and I are of the age where, hell, when I was a kid, you could smoke in the back of buses and say, and, and airplanes. And I, I got a continuous bruise on my chest from my mother being my seatbelt. Her right arm would just snap over when she put on the brakes to stop me from falling forward. There were no seatbelts in cars. And when drinking and driving was the case, you just got patted on the head and said, don't get caught. You weren't shamed by your friends. You, you know, it was a it was a situation, just don't get caught. And that almost no one was ever arrested for this thing that was technically on the books. And now you are a pariah for all three things. You don't wear a seatbelt. Your 10-year-old is going to say, dad, put your seatbelt on, you know. It's like everybody knows that these things are okay. And so this shift in consciousness of belonging and self-care changes in society and in individuals is important and just at the beginning of happening. So I hope that explains it, but we just got to look at it differently. Yeah, I think so too. And it maybe depends on the situation a person is in, whether it becomes deprivation as a mindset or self-care. In my own case, it was self-care because I had a health crisis because of sugar. I feel like I didn't answer the deprivation part. And I and you're so right about that. We have a new saying that's like, it's not what you don't get, it's what you get to have. Because there's such a variety of foods that you can eat. And it's so different that, I mean, you have to get outside the box of your family or your ethnicity, whatever food product you grew up with. It's going to be different. There's no doubt about that. 
So you got to do that. And you got to think of it as an experiment, a fun experiment that you get to find a new food or a new tribe, a new group of people. And you're not depriving yourself. I kind of like the the old diet saying that nothing feels as good as uh, thin looks. And we don't do it for the weight loss, but the benefits so far outweigh the idea that you're losing something or being deprived that that people got to look at this. got to look at it the way you're describing. It's so important. Yes. Yeah. It's the benefits for sure. It is the benefits. You have to really keep your eye on the benefits. Otherwise you get caught up in all that other stuff. Feeling sorry for yourself, right? People say, oh, I can't have the, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, when you're a recovering guy, you know, you can never have a beer again with the guys, you know, you can't, whatever, you know, it's like, uh, you get over it. And I, I don't want to be harsh, but you get over it. I call it adulting, Kathy. <laughs> It's like, look, this stuff hurts you. It it really hurts you. And you got to just stand up and say, okay, enough's enough. At least I I call it an experiment. Look, people always ask this question. It's important too. Do I have to do this for the rest of my life? And I'm like, no, you just got to get yourself to a clean state where you can make a clean and conscious cognitive awareness decision. Because you're you're operating on a sugar brain, right? You're operating on a brain that's controlled by the substance. Get yourself healed up. And then, hey, add back a little treat. Nobody ever that gets a true 90 days abstinence ever goes back in my world. They may slip, but they immediately come back. Because the amazing thing that happens is on a healed up body, sugar wipes you out. It gives you a headache right away, makes you tired, makes you sweat at night makes you irritable the next day and and hungry. The whole thing after 90 plus days or whatever, you've been healing up and you take a little slip or something happens, all of a sudden, all these things make you feel terrible. And you're like, wait a minute, it used to make me feel good. (laughs) That was because you kept using it. You kept having to use it over and over and over and over and over. That is so true. I remember after I had sort of cleaned up my act and I was free of sugar, I had a very small piece of pumpkin pie that somebody made gluten-free and they said, oh, I made this gluten-free just for you. So I was kind of guilt-tripped into having it in a way. And uh, I had a piece of it. And man, the next day I felt like a tractor ran me over. (laughs) Right. So it was not good. Yeah. So I totally understand. I totally agree. That is actually what happens. So uh, you talked about organizing the annual summit called Quit Sugar Summit. Can you mm-hmm. tell us briefly just a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. The Quit Sugar Summit was kind of a labor of love because, you know, there's no real money involved. We wrangled up the best of the best that you can even think of. Lewis Cantley from Cornell, Chris Palmer from Harvard, Dr. Lustig, all the famous authors and coaches, anybody that's been studying sugar for any length of time as I had been, you know, for many years and was curious about the research and whatever. And so we put them all on one. It's a, it's online, so you don't have to go anywhere. And we would interview them each for an hour. You know, most of them volunteered their time. A few of them needed honorariums, but we, they always were donated to their nonprofit research places. And so we paid that, but it was like, they're just the highest caliber science. I mean, I know you know this and I don't really talk about it much because I don't have any issue with the food companies and the and the sugar producers they had shareholder value to maximize and you know they were just doing their business 
But they did spend quite a bit of time in the last 30 years obfuscating or trying to give false information that sugar really wasn't that good for you. And so these folks that I interviewed don't have any uh, research ties, if you will, to the big sugar companies, you know, or the big food companies. They are independent and have realized that the quote-unquote science that says, you know, a little bit of sugar is good for you and this, that, and the other, uh, that was created by scientists who were funded by the sugar industry, they talk on the other side of the fence because they have no declarations of any relationship to the to the food company. So it's a real fair assessment of the sugar. It's really just straight from their universities, straight from their labs, or straight from their experience. Like you and I, we both had experience helping folks get off it and seeing those patterns that keep reoccurring. And we just talk about it and it's fun. I mean, I really enjoy it. I, I really enjoy it. And that comes at what, about January-ish? We're trying to get January as our main thing. It's hard because the people that help us promote it, January's busy, busy month. So, but yeah, it, right after the first of the year. You can go to the quitsugarsummit.com and give us your email. We'll notify you. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been an incredibly fascinating conversation. Very valuable for Sugar Switch listeners. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for being, uh, for the work you do. It's definitely going to take a village over the next two decades, probably, to get people's minds shifted, switched, if you will, (laughs) over to a a less, at least less sugar-soaked world, right? Right. I always like to end each episode with the bottom line. So, here's the bottom line. There are aspects of sugar addiction recovery that are surprising, like physical exercise. Using physical exercise as a great tool for sugar addiction rehab involves thinking outside the box and viewing exercise differently without thinking about merely burning calories. It simply doesn't work to use exercise as an excuse to eat more sugar or sugary foods. When you're dealing with sugar addiction, there's a definite shift that happens when you consider the issue from the mindset of self-care versus the mindset of deprivation. Self-care has two components to it, emotional management techniques and the societal part of the equation. Getting over feeling deprived is important. Thinking about it as an experiment and what you get to have instead of what you can't have can make all the difference. Michael Collins is the founder of the Quit Sugar Summit, a yearly educational event. You can find out more by going to quitsugarsummit.com. If you're stressed out about sugar and concerned that you might be addicted, or if you're experiencing some crazy unwanted health issues that could be sugar-related, like lack of sleep, headaches, relentless cravings, super low energy, I totally get it. Those are the exact same things I experienced and recovered from, and I can help you. To get started in a really gentle way, I have a downloadable PDF for you that will help you identify some of the hidden triggers that keep you consuming sugar and sugary foods. To get your copy, just go to offers.thesugarswitch.com forward slash triggers for cravings. The Sugar Switch Podcast is the only short, sweet, and to-the-point podcast program that focuses on giving you a new perspective about sugar, nutrition, and your health. You can find every episode, right from the first one to the present time, on our podcast website, thesugarswitchpodcast.com. You will also find us every week on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on Android. 
We'd love it if you'd make a quick stop to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and rating for the Sugar Switch Podcast. Thanks so much in advance. And be sure to tell everyone you know about the Sugar Switch so they can reap the benefits of all the great information we provide every week. You can always find me on social media by going to facebook.com forward slash Kathy Orman Sugar Switch. Until next time, go on out there and live the sweet life without sugar. Bye for now. Thank you for joining Kathy on the Sugar Switch Podcast. If you would like to be free of sugar and relentless cravings, increase your energy all day, every day, reverse pre-diabetes, and totally avoid serious health issues like diabetes, inflammation, and heart and stroke issues, Kathy Orman would love to connect with you. Find out how the Sugar Switch system can help you be the healthiest you can be. Contact Kathy Orman at www.thesugarswitchpodcast.com. Tune in next week for more great info on the Sugar Switch Podcast. And we'd love it if you'd submit a review for the Sugar Switch Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.